Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. Morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. That music means it's the last radio hour of the week. I'm joined by Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. Dr. Arn and I are going to be talking next week about Aristotle and friendship and for many weeks thereafter about friendship generally because it matters so much, especially in this era. But we are pausing between Shakespeare and Aristotle to talk about Ukraine and Judge Brown Jackson because sometimes the Hillsdale dialogue has to deal with headlines. Dr. Arn, good morning to you. Great to speak with you. How are you? I am good. I'm encouraged by the news out of Ukraine that the Ukrainian military has set fire uh, successfully to a big Russian warship in an occupied port that they drove the Russians back 35 kilometers overnight on Wednesday night. They continue to hold their own. And it appears as though even Joe Biden is coming around to supporting them. What do you make of that situation? Uh, Well, it's uh, it's inspiring and puzzling both. I mean, inscrutable, not puzzling, inscrutable. It's inspiring because uh, they want to fight for their homes. And uh, uh, it it, uh, shows something, right? Freedom is not just uh, having a color TV, I guess that's passe, Uh, having fast Internet or something. Uh, Freedom is getting a chance to govern yourself, and, and they don't like that. So they're fighting for it, and they're fighting well. And, they, you know, they've been practicing for a long time. I, I didn't fully understand how much they've been preparing as a nation for this. And, and so that's awesome. And, and I did and, not fully anticipate Zelensky. You pointed out the last time we talked about Ukraine that occasionally history throws up a wild card. Yeah. That's Zelensky. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, what, an, what an odd thing. Right. There's not much rec- record about him. I read the other day that his approval ratings were at 25 percent, which is, if you can believe it, beneath Joe Biden right. before all this started. And then there's nothing in his background that indicates that he would be brave and sure in a, in a, in a regime crisis in this country. But he is. And that changes things a lot. And it's and not that, just him. I, I want to read to you. Uh, three paragraphs from a CNN report on Thursday. Uh, the first warm, sunny days of spring in the southern Mykolaiv region of Ukraine are ushering in a grim new reality, the smell of the dead. As the frost melts and the ground thaws, the body of Russian soldiers strewn across the landscape are becoming a problem. In his nightly video address on Saturday, Vitaly Kim, the region's governor, called on local residents to help collect the corpses and put them in bags as temperatures rise above freezing. We're not beasts, are we? He implored residents who have already lost so many of their own in this war. We are not beasts. Isn't that quite the appeal, Larry Arn? Oh, yeah. It, uh, you know, there's big power politics here. This is, that's why it's inscrutable. But the immediate thing is very powerful, and that is, these people are behaving like brave, free people, and that's awesome. I mean, and you know, you, it's it's hard to know how this is going to come out, but uh, 
uh, he, it, it's, it's a little bit like the American Revolution, isn't it? Uh, well, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. I, I don't think China can allow Russia to lose, actually. I, I think it's so geopolitically fraught that the axis of, of liberalism tilts in our favor if Ukraine prevails. Well, China might be a little bit like some of the European powers were in the American Revolution, but different, too, because this is pure technological despotism in China. But sometimes I think this is good for them no matter what happens. Uh, I think Russia is becoming a client state of China. Yes. And, and what does it want with China? It wants the lands in the far east of Russia, access to them, control of them, maybe, because there are lots of resources there they need. They're the biggest oil importer in the world. Um, and, you know, it, it wants to consolidate its power everywhere on the globe, and Russia touches Europe. It's part of Europe. So they, they get something from this. And if Russia gets weaker, they will probably get stronger in Russia. Uh, and think of the, the complications. India, you know, is a, a buddy of Russia. And India is a very important country. And, you know, we, it, it would be, if, 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 if I were running things, <laughs> uh, it'd be a high priority to be friends with India. India is attached to Russia for a lot of reasons, but one of them is Pakistan is attached to China. Yes. Well, now yeah. here's Russia and China together. And yeah. what does that do? And, did, uh, did you notice yesterday that the Chinese have, have dispatched a high-ranking uh, uh, national security foreign affairs official to meet with the Taliban? They're not going to let the grass grow there. They're going to be in there dealing with the Taliban and getting the rare earth minerals that the Taliban now controls. That's right. And they're, you know, they're, so, and they're, uh, you know, first of all, understand what she is. He's, she is, is a man who's lived in serious prison multiple times, political confinement, and that, you know, through the Cultural Revolution, and, you know, he hardly survived that. And he's a very hard man, and he's strengthening all those controls that led to that terrible thing, you know, the biggest slaughter in history, probably, in, in China. So he's a hard guy, right? And he's, he's, you know, this is not a man who's going to rest on his laurels. He's been appointed, uh, you know, whatever he is, for life. But there's a party conference coming up, and you just read these papers, and it's implausible to me that he could be under any threat whatsoever. Do you remember, Larry Arn, when the Russians went through three supreme leaders in like 90 days, yeah. and it was uh, Chernenko and Andropov and, and Brzezinski, they all died. And so they came up with Gorbachev and Gromyko, the oldest communist of them all, said, he has a nice smile, but he has iron teeth. Turns out he didn't have iron teeth. Xi has iron teeth. That's right, I think so. And, I, you know, those were, uh, those were uh, times of Russian collapse, right? It, uh, it, you know, the story of the communist rule of Russia, which were two human generations, right, long enough to settle in, affect every, everything. And it is simply amazing story, because they built the greatest war machine in history, still to this day, and they defeated the Nazis more than anybody else, and they built, became a great world power, threatening everywhere, all over the globe. And then they collapsed of their own weight because 
they lived for a long time where nobody believed the doctrines anymore. Even, you know, they had that thing called the nomenclature, that's the named class, people had names. And they got their duchess and they got their privileges, but they didn't think they deserved them either. And so it fell apart, right? It, it doesn't look to me like China is like that right now. It's growing. Oh, gosh, no. It's, oh, uh, gosh, no. But you know what? Power. Two weeks ago, you talked about Churchill and Zelensky, and then I began to listen to um, Arthur, not Arthur, Andrew Roberts' book, uh, Churchill Walking with Destiny. It's stirring, Larry Arndt, to hear. It's a very well-read book, by the way. They, they yeah. imitate Churchill. It's very well-read. It is so stirring to listen to Churchill in the 30s, and then in his first year of being prime minister in his year back at the Admiralty, uh, Britain would not have survived without that man. He he raised up an entire people. That's right. He, he you know you're right to mention the 30s because in the 30s Churchill was broke. He was hit by a car and very sick. He had uh, serious infection and very sick. Went on for a long time, and uh, uh, he was broke. He, he almost got out of politics, declare bankruptcy. But what he did in the 30s was he kept up a drumbeat that we have to defend our nation. And both parties were against him about yes. that. His own conservative party, which had big majority, he him out. And he, he and it's a little bit like Zelensky, too. Why is Zelensky internationally known? It's defiance, right? He just, it's courage. That's it's courage. Right. He just, and so he did that, and because of that, uh, Britain, it's plausible to say, true, I think, to say that uh, Britain rearmed faster than it would have, which insufficiently, but faster, not as fast as he wanted. But, you know, they survived by very narrow margins in 1940. Oh, what a close one. And, you know, they nearly ran out of airplanes and pilots. But they had more airplanes and pilots because when it was extremely unpopular, he kept that up. And I got to tell people as we go to break, if you listen to the Andrew Roberts book or Dr. Arn's own book and you and you dwell on the Battle of Britain, you'll have a better understanding of what the people of Mariupol are going through. And I'm going to talk with Dr. Arn about that. It's so inspiring to read about the battle for Britain. And I'd forgotten it. I've known it. It's come back to me now. And it is so relevant. We'll talk about it on the other side. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. Dr. Arn and I return in a moment. Come back with us. America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Larry Arden is president of Hillsdale College, rapidly becoming the most influential college in the United States, far beyond the Ivy Leagues, because of who it is turning out and where they are going. If you want to attend, good luck getting harder and harder to get into Hillsdale. Hillsdale.edu for your application and for everything. Dr. Arden, we went to break. Uh, I, I mentioned the Blitz, and I want to talk about that, but I also want to mention the fact that in Ukraine, as I listened to the Andrew Roberts book, Churchill would go out and practice with his machine gun and with his pistol. He was ready for the Germans to parachute into checkers. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. very much represented by these UK, Ukrainian patriots rising up and killing and taking one with you. That's what he said to the cabinet. You can always take one with you. Yeah, there was a 
there's a correspondence between him and King George the Sixth, the mother of Queen, the father of Queen Elizabeth, and uh, he, he wrote him a note, and he said uh, in 1940, and he said, you know, they may invade, as we know, and if they do, they're going to take London. That was known because he couldn't think of how to defend it, spread the troops out so sprawling across the south of England that wherever they attacked, they would succeed. So they had to move up into the middle of the country. Uh, maybe you should think about going to Canada. And uh, the king replied, uh, well, I will go when you go. And uh, Churchill replied to him, I think Downing Street is a better place to make our resistance than the palace. You come to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, do you know that FDR, I just learned this last night, and I've been reading Churchill because of you for thir 30 years. I just learned that FDR sent a letter saying, not a good idea to bring a king back to North America. Uh, it, it's like as tone deaf as Joe Biden has ever been. He came around, right? He came around. But early on, I don't think he had much of faith that Churchill could pull it off. Yeah, he never. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt ha had his greatness. That's a fact. I mean, he did a lot of wickedness, in my opinion, too. But there's, there was a, a blind in him, and that is he didn't see the nature of the British monarchy and the British Empire. Uh, he didn't understand that, you know, it, it, there are evils in the British Empire as there are in every human institution. The British Empire was a voluntary association, and that meant that, you know, I've said this on, the, on, on your show before, I think 48% of the British war effort and casualties in both world wars were contributed by imperial nations, and not one of them was conscripted from London. That's remarkable. It is. It's also remarkable. Now I want to turn to the Blitz, because uh, we've got to talk about the judge after the break. Uh, how relevant is the Blitz right now? Because the amazing Mrs. Arne, you know, she's English, and I'm sure the English people still take great pride, like her father was at Dunkirk. That it's just amazing to me what they put up with, because it's six months of hell. Uh, my wife's mother was a plotter uh, in, in that uh, there's a great movie, Sink the Bismarck, uh, and they, they keep showing, you know, and also in the movie The Battle of Britain, another good, they have these maps and they have these little figures of ships and planes, and they're people with moving them around with like a, like a, uh, like a, poker, you know, like, like a, a long you know, broomstick. Yeah. And so that's what my wife's mother did. during. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That ah. meant she was in London and that meant she lived in the blackout and all that stuff. And she remembered all that as uh, dreadful and exciting, uh, both. And, uh, that, you know, that's if you live through something like that, it's defining of your life. And you know, uh, Dr. Arn, I went to the Imperial War Museum a few years ago with my boys and they have in there a air raid shelter where you go in and you experience the blitz. And we were in there with a woman older than me, and she had a panic attack. She was triggered. She was remembering the fear. I mean, just the absolute ghastly fear. And you have to choose to overcome it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't, uh, you know, the British are not, they don't mention things very much. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, but uh, both my wife's mother and my father... Uh, I had wonderful responses because I'm rude and American, and I was, <laughs> and I would, you know, ask them, just ask them, and you know, they would tell. And uh, other people were wondering whether it was right to ask them or not. I just wanted to know. I, and, I, 
so glad you did. I love these. We come back. We're talking about Judge Brown Jackson, but we're going to return to Ukraine because the one is deeply dispiriting uh, and the other is very, very inspiring. I'll be right back. The juxtaposition of the two events, quite telling. Dr. Larry Aaron on the Hillsdale Dialogue when we return. America, the Hillsdale Dialogue, last radio hour of the week is underway. Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, is my guest. All of the Hillsdale Dialogues are collected on iTunes at the uh, Hillsdale Dialogue page at iTunes, all 430 of them, in order. And so if you enjoy this sort of conversation, head there and just feast on it. Dr. Arn, I want to go back in (laughs) 11 minutes. I want to cover Dostoevsky, Russia, Ukraine, and Judge Brown Jackson, because it's all tied up. And the backstory, the, the backstory is I went on vacation and Arthur Brooks made me start to read The Brothers K, which I've never done before. I admit that with no shame at all. I, I just defy anyone to plod through that thing in, in regular time. But it really does bring out, it refers repeatedly to the Russian soul as being a blighted soul. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah, well, he, he, uh, 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 Dostoevsky, first of all, is is the key inspiration for Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Says Solzhenitsyn, and and uh, so it's a blighted soul, but it's a great soul, and it's a real thing too. That's uh, one one thing that just doesn't seem uh, sensible to me is for us to think that that uh, the Russian naval base in the Ukraine, which is you know, at least 300 years old, that they're going to give that up. They will that's never give point. it up. That's they will a, never give a, it up. Yeah, we don't, we, don't uh, we and NATO together would ne- could never take that base, except at grievous cost to ourselves, and maybe even then not at all. It would be a nuclear war. Maybe a nuclear war. And, they, and they've, and so, and, and you need to, because Churchill had this, uh, I don't know what Joe Biden's got, but, uh, Churchill had a sense of Russia as a real thing, and that was displayed in his belief that, in the end, communism uh, was new and Russia was old. Uh, he said he said he wrote that explicitly about China. Uh, he got a, he got an excited uh, t- uh, telegram from the Roosevelt administration about the emergency, oh, the Eisenhower administration later, later about the emergencies in China. And it's going to go communist, which it did. And he was worried about that. He was also protective of, our, of the American focus on Europe. So he had a kind of conflict of interest there. But he did say, in a, here's a paragraph, China is very old. Communism is very new. And, and that means that there's a way that old great nations act, and they tend to repair to that whatever the variations may be at any given time. And so you, you know, I, I, I believe from the minute this started, I believe, by the way, since the fall of the Soviet Union, and I just learned this from Churchill, you should find the things that are important to Russia, and you should find a way to assure them about those things. And in that context, you can 
get the freedom of its neighbors. The only way that Crimea would have remained in Ukraine is had we not denuclearized Ukraine. But we did, because Bill Clinton was president, and the peace dividend was being paid off, and we were not serious about the Russian soul and the Russian national character. We just weren't, Dr. Arndt. Yeah, and, and you know, we've, we've given a military guarantee in the Budapest Agreement, yes. called. it's about those nuclear weapons. And see, it's just an accident of history that the Soviet Union had a lot of its nuclear weapons located in the Ukraine when it owned it. And, and, and we gave them a guarantee along with Russia. And we, we can, you know, we, if your territory is invited, we, invaded, we'll take, a, take an interest. Well, you just got to figure out what does it take to redeem that guarantee. And if you're doing it in cooperation with Russia, then it's easy to do. If you're doing it against Russia, it's very difficult to do. And, you know, I know it was a benefit to get rid of those nuclear weapons, although they're proliferating around the world right now, and they could in Ukraine. They're smart people. They could build them if they wanted to. And, and so uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big check we wrote, and it's blank. And so that's It bounced already. It yeah. bounced uh, in the last six months. That's right. Because Joe Biden, you know, now I'm going to jump to Judge Brown Jackson. What, what is, we have been demonstrated beyond uh, argument this week is that Joe Biden is a leftist who is soft on crime. Senate Democrats are leftists who are soft on crime. And Judge Brown Jackson is a leftist who is soft on crime. And it all goes together. And it's on display. I am not surprised. I am not in any way uh, aghast. It's just the left. And I don't know that Joe Biden is even aware that he became a leftist, but their response to Ukraine is a leftist response. They wish it wouldn't be this way, but they don't know what to do. It's, uh, you know, she's, I, I, I'll say a word for her. She's uh, artful. Very. And, uh, and this, these hearings operate, it's like a little theater that goes on every time there's a Supreme Court nominee, because it's a, it's a real fact that a judge should not announce in advance how they're going to decide any kind of case, right? In other words, they're supposed to be impartial. They're supposed to look at the case. Well, that gets, And that's just a simple rule of prudence, by the way. The decisions depend upon, uh, you know, every practical decision we make depends upon the circumstances in which it's made. And they vary with the circumstances. And so that, that's been turned into, I won't say what I think about abortion, right? Well, we know what she thinks about abortion. And uh, uh, she's asked about stare decisis, the precedents. And, you know, everybody pray for Justice Thomas, who's been sick in, in the hospital. And I pray not seriously. And the, the, the word seems to be that it's not serious. It's but, an infection uh, of an older man. We can guess. I, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not COVID. He'll be fine with enough antibiotics. We pray. Yeah, yeah and that's, you know, incredibly important uh, you know, to yes. me, especially. I just love that man. But he's the one who said, you know, out and out. If there's a bad decision, it's worse to perpetuate it than not. And, you know, and so she, she wouldn't say that out and out because Roe v. Wade. I don't know why we just can't be on. I had Lindsey Graham on before you came on today. And uh, I discussed with him that one of the comments made about Lindsey Graham, he's been attacked by my colleagues at the Washington Post for attacking the judge. And I said, someone said, what happened to Lindsey Graham? And I said, Lindsey, I think it's that you went through Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. And he said, I couldn't put it any better than, than that myself, Hugh. Because 
it's because he he saw a horrific attack on persons, not because of their judging stuff. I'm kind of proud of the Republicans. They didn't do any of that, but they nevertheless illumined the central division that is real in the Senate. Yeah, Tom Cotton did a very good job, and Holly did a good job, and Lindsey did a, a uh, what, what would you call it, a uh, grand job. It was magnificent. It was magnificent. He was so <laughs> genuinely angry, uh, and that may, they dared not stop him. You know, Durbin wouldn't stop him. He went 10 minutes over his time because they're embarrassed by their record in these proceedings. Chris Coons is a smart man. He knows how awful they have been, and he knows that Judge Brown Jackson wasn't attacked. She was asked hard questions. Yeah. That's, and, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, a line of questioning for her would have been, uh, you know, just start with the simple thing. Uh, murderers have committed the worst possible crime, right? And she'd have to say yes to that. And then that means life is sacred. And that means wouldn't there be a bias, uh, at least a bias, that a baby in the womb is human. And, you know, you, you would have to say yes to that, I think. You know, Bill Clinton used to say that. He used to say uh, it should be, abortion should be safe, affordable, and rare. And a great article was written by, I can't remember who wrote it right now, I said, ask him the question, why rare? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, it is the key question. But I have to say, after these hearings, and after a conversation I had yesterday with Christine Emba, whose book, Rethinking Sex, might be useful at Hillsdale. She is a conservative, uh, a Catholic. She's on the Post editorial staff, but she is a child of the age. And the child of the age, it means sexuality is different than now than it was when we were in college. And, and it poses great questions. But what we talked about was her inability, Judge Brown Jackson's inability to define a woman. And we, we both, we, we agreed. The reason she did, she's afraid of the left. Yeah. You can't answer that if you're a leftist. Or else she, she's, or she's afraid of the right. I mean, I would, you know, she's a very smart woman, very accomplished woman, and and she's qualified. She's I told been people that. raised around learning all her life. You know, she's schooled, right? Yep. And that means probably underneath it all, she's saying what she thinks, and and she can't so in that way. Then, you know, the idea I'm not a biologist, I can't say. Well, I'm not a biologist, but I. I assert that there's a woman named Penelope, and she's a woman. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and by the way, we don't hang horses. That's when it. they kick someone in the head and they and they kill someone, we don't hang them. That's right. That's right. And see, that's so. I I think she was. You know, I one doesn't know. You only know what she says. But uh, why would? You, and she gave a better answer the second time, by the way, and it was rhetorically astute. She talked about her mother. Yes. Right. And that and 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 because, you know, I mean, you know, my opinion is that this uh, gender transformation is not going to sell. It's not. It's by the way, it hasn't sold. No one will talk about it because I I, by the way, I don't talk about it on the radio for the same reason. I don't talk about uh, the January 6th. My audience is not interested. They have made up their minds. Right. They, They think the January 6th committee is illegitimate and they think transgendered sports is crazy and that's there's just not you can't sell that larry yeah it's not and you know just look at loudon county uh and you know one one must have sympathy by the way for of course kids with mental problems and and including 
they call it gender dysphoria, because that's a very confused human being, right? And that, so, so that need to have sympathy ought not to lead one to obscure the most fundamental distinction in nature. But it has. And I, we'll, we'll, we'll be right back. Now we're going to go back to Ukraine, because we have to. We, we've got to conclude by glory to Ukraine with Dr. Larry Arn. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back with Dr. Arn on the Hillsdale Dialogue. Welcome back, America. Every few weeks, Dr. Arn and I turn to Ukraine because it's really unfolding as maybe the most dramatic um, uh, standoff between tyranny and freedom in my lifetime. Uh, I know we stood dramatically against the Soviet Union and communism for many years, but it never it never sort of reached a critical theater like this, Dr. Arn, because the Battle of Britain was the last time this happened. And I mean, you got to be on one side or the other, don't you? Yeah, well, there. You know, so, you know, you, you, if you think back to the Prague Spring, was that in 68? 68. Duke check. Yeah, uh, you know, that was, uh, I read something about that the other day in comparison to all this. And, you know, it, it uh, that, this is, this is a little over 20 years before the actual fall of the Soviet Union. But people didn't like it. And, you know, Prague is a beautiful city, right? And, and this guy Dubček, you know, was leader of a thing, and Russia sent in the tanks and arrested him and took him back to Moscow and then sent him back there in power again because they couldn't think what else to do. And right. you know why that's so relevant, Dr. Arndt, is because they dared not invade Poland when, well, uh, less I can't think of what... When he stood up, they dare not invade because of the Czechoslovakian resistance. And that leads to Ukraine standing yeah. up. Freedom is you contagious. Know, you don't, you know, uh, it's uh, hard work and unpleasant for everybody concerned to try to rule people against their consent. Huh. You know, I mean, I have a simple rule at Hillsdale College. I really only want to work, have dealings with everybody being a volunteer. Uh, we, we try to set things up so that you got lots of options. If you choose this, you know what you get, and you can help with it, right? And and uh, that just it's just better, right? Uh, a, a college student, the worst re- reason you can give them is because I said so, and the best reason you can give them is because you said so, <laughs> and that that works, you know. Because why are we why are we going to fight now? So, and, uh, so on that point, what do you think happens when we turn to this again in a month? When we move out of Aristotle friendship and you come back live for a, a conversation about Ukraine, where do you think we'll be? Uh, well, I fear uh, I I think uh, you you well they're not you know first of all the Soviet army is not cutting across the country right <laughs> right it doesn't seem able to do that. And there, you know, I, there's a, I get a daily report from our mutual friend, Arnie Steinberg, uh, 
and there's a guy who prints casualty figures for the Russians and equipment destroyed for the Russians in Afghanistan, you know, six or seven years, I think, versus four weeks in, in uh, Ukraine. And the casualties are larger in the Ukraine. It's, it's stunning. And they got pushed back 35 kilometers by the Ukrainian army on Wednesday night from Kiev. Yeah, isn't that something? And that's, and the, you know, the, the Ukrainians are, uh, so, you know, I, I'll tell you what I hope for, and that is uh, uh, drop the claim to the Crimea. I don't think that can be sustained, but, you know, uh, people call me a traitor for that, I guess. And then some Russian land access to the Crimea, which does, as far as I know, and here I, I become ignorant, uh, go through, it's not very, it's not large, and it goes through land that is dominated by Russian speakers. And so somehow give them that, and Ukraine gets the rest of it. And here's the story, by the way, Zelensky. So a very great statement, statesman is a friend of mine, uh, Vaclav Klaus. Oh, goodness. Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And Vaclav Klaus was, is married to a Slovak. She was the uh, ambassador to Slovakia from the Czech Republic when the uh, separation discussion started. And he was the president of both. And he made the decision to let them go. And, and that's because they wanted to go. Yep. And uh, that's, and see, they hadn't... Uh, it's a great man. It's a great oh, thing. Oh, he's a, you know, he's a wonderful man. I have, he's, he's old now and he doesn't travel anymore. I need to go back to Prague and see him again. He's... Uh, and, you know, he, he talked to him about the European Union sometime. Uh, he's, you know, he thinks that people should be represented and have the government of their choice. I hope that is what we see when next we return to this. Next week, Friendship by Aristotle. Dr. Larry Arn, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.